0: All right, so if you don't shed a tear, we, we are now moving from our beloved K Cup series. Everyone goes, Oh, come on, if you enjoyed it at all. I was so sad. I, mean, I sat there for about two hours going, Okay, I have to think about something that's not a parable. That's so sad. I mean, goodness gracious. Parables are lots of fun, okay? But we are now shifting from the K Cup series where the entire thing was kingdom, kingdom, kingdom with Jesus, right? The entire goal was to kind of pull from the scriptures. What did Jesus come to to speak and to embody, okay? And so what happens now is we are going to catch up in the book to where the Gospels are having the spotlight on Jesus and his kingdom, and now something's happened. Now Jesus has left the story, and now there's a new emphasis, okay? And so what's going to happen in the book of Acts is we're going to see this dramatic encounter where this spirit comes out of nowhere and just messes these people up, so much so that they just stand out, among you know thousands of people and then they have a message of the kingdom and of jesus that transforms everyone around them and now they have a problem they are growing it went from a few hundred people in a room crying and weeping and saying what do we do jesus is gone and now they've got thousands of people saying hey so now what do we do jesus is lord and messiah so now what and they say we don't know he didn't tell us so now you got thousands of people who are following jesus and you have all these people who have come in from, from all over the area to celebrate this festival, and they get saved at the festival, and here's the problem, they don't want to go home. So what do you do? Enter the birth of what we call today, the church. And so in scriptures, there's a shift in theme from the book of John to the book of Acts. We are talking kingdom, 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 and now we're going to be talking church, church, church. Understand this, with the exception of the book of Acts, every single letter moving forward, everything in the scriptures, is being directed and spoken to Christians who are in the church. Now, I need you to get this before we move on. Everything that we read and we apply it to us, understand was being written to a group of believers who were living out the church. This will transform the way that you read the Bible. When you begin to read the epistles, if you begin to understand this is not just to me to follow Jesus, this is to a a group of people following Jesus, this is going to dramatically reorient the way you understand everything. Because my main dramatic statement to you today is this. The church is important. We live in a time In the last few hundred years, where we have all grown up in churches where the church is part of being a Christian, but the church is not crucial for being a Christian. And what I want you to understand this that is not Bible. Have I offended everyone yet? Now we can start, agreed. Everyone goes. Another long series. Lord have mercy. Here we go. We got this new series called Love Is Church, okay? And Have you guys seen these series called I Love My Church? I mean, it started about two, three years ago, and it's it's something that lots of churches do. It's very effective. Here's my caveat. We are not in any way, shape, or form attacking that approach. Part of loving his church is loving every individual expression of it, okay? In the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, there were individual churches who were unique. In the book of Revelation, we see that every church had a unique personality and expression. Everyone was different. We love every single church, agreed? But for us at Grace Church, and if you guys are watching from other churches, I am not attacking you. Okay, now, with that being said, we love all of them, but we need to find something out, right? If Jesus died and he shed his blood and, he, and he's here to change everything, and then he leaves, what did he leave behind? The church, okay? shouldn't it be a little bit important that the church look the way it's supposed to look? If we are surrounded by darkness and death and murders and all sorts of garbage of this world, why would he leave us here to just sit here and wait for him? He didn't leave us here for that reason. We have been left here as the ultimate picture in the interim, meaning everything in Scripture for us as Christians is we are in the in-between, okay, Of the now and the then. Meaning right now the kingdom is near, but it is not fully here. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So when Jesus came, he had the message of what? The kingdom of heaven is near, right? Okay. Now the kingdom of heaven, of course, was in Jesus himself. And he was bringing the authority and the power and the nearness of God everywhere he went. And when he left, he left this kingdom as well to be entrusted to his kingdom people but we also know that things aren't done yet, right? Because he's here to take all things and make make them right, to have dominion and authority over all things of the devil, but we still have pain, we still have death, we still have poverty, we still have division, we still have racism, we still have all sorts of these issues, right? So would you say the kingdom is done? No. So we know that the fullness will will happen when he returns, but the the interim responsibility of bringing the kingdom to earth Is left with the church. Are you ready for that responsibility? Yes, my brave souls. We are not, you are not to carry that burden alone. You are not to carry that burden alone. We're going to do this together. Understand this, okay? We are literally to be witnesses of Jesus, his kingdom, his reconciliation... And his redemption that's a lot I get it I'll be breaking it down over the next few weeks here's what we are okay we are to be a walking talking embodying movie trailer for what is coming okay meaning who here knows what a trailer is for a movie okay all right we are to be the trailer to what is coming people are to look at us and say wow that's what God is like that's what God is doing and that's how God feels towards me who here saw the Star Wars trailer this week? Anybody? Okay. In about, what was it, 60 minutes, it broke the internet. Did you guys know that? In 60 minutes, this thing was being downloaded and played so quickly that they had a global crash momentarily because this trailer was so good. You like Star Wars? If you, if you didn't raise your hand, you might not want to stay at this No, I'm just kidding. We love you too, we'll pray for you. This trailer, we are to look so good that people want to line up to see what's happening next. Have you ever seen a really bad trailer before and you're like, man, yeah. That's what we are right now. (laughs) We're to be this trailer that's so exciting that just touches, oh my goodness. That's what God's like, that's what he wants to do, and that's how he feels towards me. But when they look at us, they say, oh, that's what God's like, that's what he's here to do, and that's how he feels towards me. Are you getting it? Okay. We are not the fullness of the kingdom of God, but we are the brightest expression of it on the earth. If people are to see the kingdom, to see the king, to see Jesus, they're supposed to see it in us. Listen to me, I didn't say you. I said, I said us. us, okay? Because you are not the body of Christ, are you? You're not even the bride of Christ. Thank the Lord, men, everyone, okay? You're not the bride of Christ. You don't have to pick yourself on a dress, okay? The scriptures say that what? The church is the body of Christ, and the church is the bride of Christ. Now, it's about to get really uncomfortable, and, I, and it won't be my fault, well, we're just going to read scriptures, and you're going to see something that to be in the church, to be part, to be participating, to be a pinky of the church and be connected to it takes things that we don't want to do. Okay? And it will be a ride of a lifetime today. So, <laughs> have mercy. So, this week, we're going to hit one theme, okay? We are to love His church, and to do that, we need to love. What his church is to be and to love something, to take on this thing that Jesus loves and calls to do, that means that we're going to have to participate in creating it and being it, okay? And the first thing for today is this. His church is united. Do you hear me? His church is united. We're going to jump all over scripture. Stay with me, you know, Ah, just speak grace of you guys because we're going to jump through all sorts of stuff today, Okay. Understand this, okay? This is to show one thing. That the number one thing as church is to be seen and known for, first of all, is that we are one. When you think of churches, what do you picture? The opposite, right? In Alma, we have a population of what? Anyone know? 6,000, I mean, something like that, right? How many churches do we have? 6,000. Amen, Dean. I'm telling you, I mean, the last thing we picture is a unified anything, all right? We can't agree on nothing, even in this room, okay? And this is something that we're going to unpack a little bit. All right, for the primary text today, I want you guys to go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Let me say this, you know, um, we are, in everything we do, and teach and think and act upon it needs to be jesus okay this this entire thing is driven and run by jesus the gospel itself is jesus okay this is what god's great message and news was to us his son okay all of the old testament prepares and predicts and points to his coming and all of the new testament explains what he's doing and points to his second coming everything is about jesus and here's the issue with the church We, first of all, have been separated from focusing on Jesus. We focus on other things. And secondly, once we begin to focus on Jesus, we cannot help but begin to embrace his church. If you begin to study Jesus and his teaching, if you begin to fall in love with Jesus, if you begin to see what he did and who he is, okay, you cannot help but embrace what he has created. Oh, the kids are having fun. You guys hear that? I wish you guys were having that much fun. It's just me up here having a blast. Okay, uh, Ephesians four, verse one. It's going to take me. a while to read. Stay with me again. I understand that sometimes he gets a little bit heavy for us. So I'm going to break it all down for you. Okay, Ephesians four, verse one. Uh, the the apostle speaking here. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And here's why, verse 4. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's stop right there. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. This is what we're talking about, okay? The Apostle Paul is very clear. Remember, he's not writing this to all Christians. He's writing this to a specific group of Christians, okay? The church at Ephesus, who's having issues doing what? Being unified. They're fighting. Imagine that happening in a church. No, not here, right? We never fight about anything at Grace Church, okay? They are having division. And so what's he saying? Make every effort. What does that sound like to you? Every effort. Is there anything in your life that you give all of your effort to? That you give as much as you could possibly do to accomplish it? This is what Paul is saying. Now, he didn't say this about anything else in this passage, Okay, he's saying there's all these things that God's done, all these things he's doing, but here's what I want you to understand. Make all effort possible to stay unified. When I used to read this, I used to picture this like, you know, it's important for all Christians all over the globe to just be in unity. You know, it's kind of like this spiritual cool thing, right? I mean, I guess I'm the only one, right? I instantly pictured people like on the other side of the globe. Yeah, I can be in unity with you because, you know, we all love Jesus, But then I start thinking about you and you, and I start going, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what I'm talking about. That's entirely different. How much effort does it take for me to be in unity with with the church? Why is it easy? Because I don't know them. Because I don't have to talk to them. I don't have to see them. I don't have to be offended by them. I don't have to put on a smile. I don't have to shake their hand. I can just be over here, and they can be over there bless you, I love you, you're good. I mean, are you getting it? He's saying, no, 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 he's saying no. Everything you can do to stay unified. Protect the unity of the spirit, make every effort. So, what is this unity? Let's talk about that. All right, we're about to get into it, ready? Okay, there are two words used to describe the church, okay? And they were both used by Jesus and they're used by the Apostle Paul. All the time. Here's the first one. Okay, ecclesia. Okay, ecclesia. Okay, this is the word that we get literally "church" from. Okay, now the most simple understanding of this is a assembly. Okay, it's a gathering, specifically in public. So the very basic understanding of the Greek word um, ecclesia is for people to gather in public for a reason. Does that make sense? When you really break down the compounds in these words, it means to come out from other groups to form a group. Do you hear that? To come out from where you are, your house, your comfort, okay, your friends, your your buddies, where you want to be, come out in public to join with others, to be separated for something. Who are we being separated to? Holler it, go ahead. Who are we being separated to? Jesus. Who else? Bam. School of ministry students, amen. Okay, we are being separated from every other thing. And again, some of these things are good. My family, my friends, my work buddies, okay? Some things are not good. You know, some other ties to this world, whatever, sin, all that kind of stuff. We're being pulled from good and bad to come together to Jesus and to each other. What I love about this word is that it is literal. We cannot be ecclesia without being physically near to each other. Do you see that? It is used about 20% of the time to talk about the global church. Everyone who's a part of the church globally. 80% of the time we used to talk about individual, specific, smaller groups of people who know each other, eat together, and fight together against each other. The first, most dominant word in all the scriptures about what we are is people who physically come together. Think about that. I love the scriptures. They just get you every time. (laughs) But why couldn't it be a spiritual truth? Why can't we just like draw together, you know, in the spirit of harmony? You know? Come on, I mean, come on, seriously. Would you rather be able to be in unity via text message? I support you, brother. I love you. Smiley face emoji, you know what I mean? Come on. Be honest, okay, be real with me, okay? It would be much safer and easier and more comfortable if I could be in unity with you while I'm in my comfort bubble and you're in your comfort bubble. I could stay here and do church the way I like church, and you get to do church the way you like to do church. And we never have to mess with each other. And if I ever see you, I just say, you know, peace be with you, you know, that's it. But what is hard, what's hard is starting to be around people. That is where church begins. That is where unity begins, physical proximity. We are a people who are commanded and called, because again, in Ephesians, we are called to this. We are called by our King, our Lord, to come out of wherever we are and to come together. ecclesia, to be together because of him. Let's go to the second word used, okay? If you didn't like that one, you went to this one. Here's the second word used. And I think in the slides, I think we had the verses. If you want to find them in the scriptures, um, you know, they're all over But uh, specifically, Jesus talks about it in Matthew sixteen eighteen. That's where he established the church with Peter. And basically he says, you know, and on this, I will build my church. Okay, that's one of the first times we ever see Jesus use the word church. Okay, and again, he's building his church, his people who are gathering around him together. Okay, now, second word used in scripture about what this gathering is like. Koinonia. Koinonia. It's Greek, of course, okay? Koinonia, and here's what it means. Fellowship, contribution, partnership, literally, okay, to participate. Here's a fun one for everyone, okay? Yeah, there's children, cover their ears. Social, Social intercourse. intercourse. Everyone goes, we're leaving right now. This is not my word. I didn't, I, I would never use a word like this. This makes me very uncomfortable, okay? This is the word that, that Jesus and the Apostle Paul chose to use to describe when we come together, what do we do? And everyone goes, don't say it. We come together to participate and to have deep, intimate relationship. So it starts with proximity. You can't be part of the church and not be physically joining and participating in it. And then once you get here, you can't be part of the church and just sit there. You can't even be participating in the church life by having your walls up. I have to go back to it. Social intercourse. This is a picture of intimacy, okay? Socially, again, socially is the context, okay? Not literally, socially, okay? We are to be walls down people when we're around each other. Transparent, real, vulnerable, trusting each other. Everything that that scary word entails, we are to be when we are having relationship with each other, walls down relationships. That is participation in konania. Okay? Uncomfortable yet? Again, can I do konania via text message or, you know, Facebook or, you know, mail even? Let's go old school, okay? I mean, you know, can we do this from a distance? This is what takes place when we gather together because of Him. And remember, This is all taking place because of one person, Jesus. He's the one calling us together. He's the one calling us to come out of where, you know, the cubby holes of our lives, okay, whatever. He's calling us to come out of these things, get around each other because of him and because of what he did, because of what he laid down, what he displayed in his love. He's calling us to lay down everything and begin to have this intimate relationship with him. What's interesting about this word Is that it's the same word he used to describe the relationship we have with him. We the Father has called us into cononia with his son. The same relationship Jesus died to give you with himself, he commands you to have with each other. You're gonna try to walk out of here and forget what I'm telling you, but I'm telling you, it's gonna stick with you. This is what the scriptures say. Jesus commands, it. he says, hey, if you want to take me on as Lord, if you want to take me on as Savior, sure, I'll save you. But in the meantime, hang out with those people. Everyone says, I'll rethink that offer. Oh, okay, come on now. Okay, well, we got more. We got more. All right. <laughs> so now the question is, why? So now we understand what this unity is. We understand what we are to look like, what the church is to look like, okay? But why does he want us to do this? Here's the first thing. As I told you, we are to be witnesses of Jesus. We're the trailer. We are, when they see us, not just you, when they see us together, they're supposed to go, oh, that's what God's like, that's what God's doing, and that's how God feels about me. And so for us to display The relationship Jesus desires to have with them, okay, calls them to Konania. How are they going to see it? When we have Konania with each other. This is part of the way we witness to who Jesus Christ is and what he did. Part of the reason no one wants anything to do with our gospel is because we don't look anything like it. People are not stupid. They walk in and go, look at all these people being fake around each other. I'm not saying you, I'm just saying church in general, okay, come on. And us sometimes, let's be honest, okay, what do they have that I don't? And they walk out of here saying nothing, nothing. They don't know what's going on, you know, at your home with your prayer closet. And the problem is this, if what's going on in your prayer closet isn't showing up in your relationship with believers, nothing's going on in your prayer closet. Uh-oh, oh. stepping on some sacred cows, am I today? Guys went Hindu on me, huh? Okay. Anyway, everyone's like, what is he talking about? Sacred cows, Hindus, that's where it comes from, you know, the cow's sacred. Okay. <laughs> it could be your grandmother. Does that make sense? That's why you don't kill the cow? Okay. <laughs> teaching all sorts of stuff there, right? <laughs> Didn't know that you are going to learn about Hinduism when you came, came to Grace Church. That dude's teaching about Hinduism. We ain't never going back. Teaching Incarnation. Mm. Amen. All right. Moving on. Why? Why do we have to have this unity? Here's the first reason. We have to embrace this unity because it's the plan of God. Now, we can not like it, we can disagree with it, we can get frustrated with it, but at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge this. This is the plan, desire, and even more scarily, the command of God. Okay? If we are called to konania with Jesus, and we're called to konania with each other. And if you argue with that, what is the most dominant picture of what the church is, okay? The body of Christ. I love that picture because it makes me uncomfortable. If a thumb is disconnected from the body, how long will that thumb stay alive? You're right, Matthew. Not long at all, okay? Again, I love this picture, okay? A thumb does not move on its own, okay? If you're doing things on your own, Without the head, which is Jesus Christ directing you, what what happens? That there's something sick in the body. It probably is time to cut that thumb off, huh? (laughs) I'm messing. Okay, kidding. Too much, Devin, too much. All right. I love this picture. We are to be the body of Christ. There is no such thing as being separate from the body and still being a part of the body. We know that in the natural. Jesus is so kind to give us these natural examples that it's hard for us to argue with. Well, you know, if you take a thumb off, you can put it on ice for a while. Sure, the grace of God can keep you on ice for a while. Eventually, you got to get back. And most importantly, you have no purpose or function apart from the body. A thumb is very crucial to a hand. A thumb laying on the ground, not so much. Look, there's a thumb. That's scary. <laughs> okay, I'll keep on going. No sidetracks. Okay, here we go. The plan of God has three parts, okay? We have to have this unity because it's his plan. Here's the first part of it. God planned for Jesus to be king of, of, of the kingdom and king of its people. Let's, let's go to Colossians 1.9. Colossians 1.9. I want to show you this. As you guys go there, I'm going to start reading it. It's quite a bit, but I'll move quickly. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And again, they're talking about this new church that's been birthed. Uh, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the call um, of the Lord and and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you. Okay, if you're taking notes, this is an important part. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, there's that word again. Okay, the apostle Paul is very skillful. He is weaving the, the people of God with the kingdom of God. We are not the kingdom, but we are an ex- we are kingdom people on the earth. We are where the kingdom is to be seen and to be experienced. Does that make sense? We're not the fullness of the kingdom, but we're kingdom people. We we are ambassadors. Does that make sense? Everywhere we go, we are to embody and to look like the kingdom. We're the trailer, okay? Um, The people and the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Remember, there's that word again, kingdom again, right? He's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church, the, you know, the ecclesia, okay? He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That is a very, very loaded few Sentences, I guess I'd say chapter, but it's, it's so loaded with so much depth right there. But here's one thing I want you to get, okay? The plan of God was always to have a people, okay, and a place. And Jesus came, and he restored the people through the kingdom. We have a king and a, and a kingdom people. We choose to receive the king, and we enter into the kingdom of God, and now we are part of something. There is no such thing as receiving the king and not receiving his people. Does that make sense to you? I cannot take on a king, enter his kingdom, and say, I'm going to sit on the outside of your kingdom, and you can just have reign with those people. A king and his people, because again, here's the king who has supremacy over all things, and he's called you into the inheritance of what? His holy people. This is what you're called to. This is what you get to be a part of. This isn't even a burden. Well, at least not to Jesus. To us it might be, right? We're called into his holy people. Were you called to be a holy person? Called to be a part of a holy people. And again, remember, nothing you do will ever make you holy. Remember, okay? We take these things and apply them just to me and Jesus at home. They were never meant for that. They were meant to apply to you and Jesus and the church. We are to be a part of the people who are made holy by the King. We are pardoned because the King pardons us. And the work we have to do is not just becoming holy. It's being holy with our people. Receiving Jesus our king and then receiving each other as our brothers and sisters. Co-heirs of Christ is what the scripture calls us. Is this too much for one Sunday? Should I just stop right now? Yeah. No, we're not done yet. No. Mm. Yes, you should. This is too much. Okay, here we go. Let me fly through these real quickly. Okay. We have to have this, this, this unity because of the plan of God. First of all, God planned for Jesus to be the king of his kingdom and of its people. Okay, we're called into the people. To receive the king is also to receive the people, to be part of this, to participate. Kononia. Secondly, God planned for Jesus to establish his kingdom and church authority with his blood. Here's the thing, um, quickly, um, Acts 20, verse 21. I understand we're flying around, I apologize, you know, if you can't, if you don't have time to get all these notes, uh, you can come after me um, after service, I'll help you. Acts 20, verse 21, Uh, this is the Apostle Paul, he is about to leave these believers from this church, he's been teaching them for years, and he knows he's now on his way back to be killed, okay, eventually in Rome. And he knows it's the last time he's going to see them. So these are his parting words to them. He says, um, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance, okay, to reorient themselves and have faith in our Lord. Remember, reorienting to a king. We are to reorient and have faith and trust our king to take him on ourselves. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He has a hard life, right? Uh, Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, and the task of testifying to the good news of the grace of God. Here's the big part, if you guys are taking notes, I really want you guys to get. Now, I know that none of you, uh, none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see him again. Remember, he's tying kingdom to church, okay? Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. He's a sweet man, isn't he? If you don't receive the king, I've preached it to you. Your blood's not on my hands. Oh, man, I wish I could say that. Scary. Right? Okay, anyway, blood's not on my hands. There we go. And he, he says it to them, and he goes on, and he says, um, for, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Remember, kingdom, church, the will of God. Here we go. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to leaders of a local church, okay? Be shepherds of the church of God, here's the most important part when you get, which he bought with his blood. Why is church important? Because it cost a lot for God. We always associate everything Jesus did just to me. You've got to get this. The Jews never, ever, ever, ever associate their relationship to Jesus as an individual only thing. Yes, we have individual choices to make. We have you know, individual devotion and things to make to Jesus. But get this, the Jews were a people who were looking and waiting for God to make them a people. Everything about their religion was corporate. It was a communal thing, okay? And this is, again, the gospel we are receiving, the work we have to do is to remember that we have to put each other back in the equation. Uh, Sunday mornings are important for why? Because it costs Jesus' blood. Yes, is it dumb that we only meet once a week? Right. In the book of Acts, you know, how often you know, were they meeting? Every day. If you guys want to do it, I'll do it. But I know you guys probably don't want to do it, okay? We have to start somewhere. The reason that we have to commit to the ecclesia, the gathering, and the reason when we get there we need to be willing, you know, to have the koinonia, to have intimate relationship, is why? Because it cost Jesus everything. And the longer we convince ourselves that Jesus just died just for my salvation and that's it, and He did die for that, but to part of something bigger. You are a part of something bigger. A people and a plan and a desire of God to redeem all things. You are part of something bigger than that. And if we ever forget that, we are missing it. You are important to me. Making time for you, spending time with you, eating with you, talking to you, getting to know you is important. Why? Not because I want to or because you want to. Because Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be the trailer, the picture of who God is. I cannot show the world, the world that Jesus desires intimate relationship with them if they do not see it in us. So come to church. <laughs> I have to lighten things up a little bit. All right. Let's fast forward. Also... Also, we also have to make it important because God planned for his people to be witnesses of his plan through their public coming together, the ecclesia, and deep relationship, cononia, with his son and with each other. Again, I do want to show this to you guys. I have to hurry. I do want to show this to you guys. If you guys have your Bibles, go to John chapter 17, John 17, verse 1. I've been teaching you guys a lot about the stuff and it's all been through the words of Paul and the other apostles. I want you to hear it from Jesus' own mouth, okay? Uh, John 17, he's about to go into the cross and it's a very serious time for him. And He said, um, he just got done talking to them and he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him uh, you have given him now this is eternal life that they know you stop right there remember what are we to embody Konania, eternal life that they would know him are you seeing it how's the world ever going to know what god has or you know how attractive it is if if they don't see it in us The way we interact, the fellowship, the relationship we have will speak louder and to more people than we could ever, you know, hand a tract to or speak a sermon to or have a worship song or whatever. The way we interact with each other is the ultimate witness we give to the world. Here we go. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Again, that we would know God and his Son, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. Remember, he, he, he's already using this understanding of Ecclesia. He's saying, I've already showed you to the people that you've given to me, pulled out of this world the people who have left where they were and gathered around me, okay? They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have, um, comes. everything that you've given to me comes from you. For I gave them the word you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. Here we go. Here's really important parts here, the next two verses. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. Remember, he's being very clear. I'm not praying for the world. He's praying for his people in the world. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. The glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Remember, we are the kingdom people planted on the earth. Okay, We are still in the world. And here's his response. And I'm coming to you, Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you give me, so so that they may be one as we are one. What is this prayer? What is this last departing prayer to the Father for us? That we'd have signs and wonders. That we could be the most compassionate people on the earth. That we could, you know, feed more hungry people than anyone else. That, That we'd be really smart. I pray that in the power of your name, that you would protect them because, again, Satan wants one thing, division in the church. He doesn't care if we have great church here in the walls of Grace Church. He knows that that's not going to affect the world. What is dangerous to the world is a unified church. And so Jesus prayed in the power of his Father's name that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Kononia. You're going to try to forget this, but you're not going to. You are called to this. Yes, you are called to Jesus. And Jesus calls you to me and each other. It's not just me. I'm telling you, this is a command, people, because it costs something. It costs blood. We can send missions all over the world, and that is very effective, and we have to do that. We can, you know, broadcast sermons and do all sorts of stuff, but... The harvest that the world needs will only come when the church gets healthy. When we begin to look like and to exhibit the fellowship with God and with each other that Jesus came to establish. Can you say amen? I've already gone over, but... If you guys are taking notes, um, the way that we respond to this, when Jesus and the apostles taught... After the teaching, Jesus would always give a, a time to see people respond. He always instruct, okay, here is what I'm saying. What are you going to do with it? And so here's how we must respond. Here's four things. Four ways that we must respond to at Grace Church to begin to live this out. Because again, this is where it happens. This is where it happens when the local bodies of Christ, churches, you know, the ecclesia, when we individually begin to draw together and to live this this fellowship, this deep, intimate relationship out, this is where it starts. We can't make a change on the global scale with all the churches, but we can start here. And then we can turn to the other churches and love them the same way, and to the other churches, and it's gonna catch like wildfire. I got so convicted this week about not spending time with the other pastors. I tell you guys all the time, you know, we love, we love First Baptist, we love Southside, we love Beyond Church, but how much time have I put in with those guys? First thing on Monday, I have to call all these pastors. I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything. I just want to hang out. How can I pray for you? They're not going to, half the guys are going to believe me. Half the guys are going to be like, "Uh, I'll call you back. (laughs) Because this is so rare. Anyways, we all have to live it out. Here we go. Here's the four ways that we must respond, okay? Priority, okay? We must have the same priority for each other the way that Jesus has for us. Secondly, proximity. You have to be important to me and important to me enough for me to make time and effort to get near to you. To have breakfast with you, to have you over to my house, to to, to go to a football game, whatever it is, okay? To come to church, okay? We have to make room and time in our busy lives for each other. This isn't just going to happen, okay? Here's the third thing, participation. Once you're important to me in my thinking and in my heart and I get near to you, then I've got to be willing to participate in Qanonia. I've got to put my walls down. And, and guess what, guys? You're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be labeled. You're going to be judged. You're going to be mistreated. But that doesn't matter. He never said, you know, he didn't shed his blood and call us into this fellowship and say, oh, but if they hurt your feelings, you don't have to anymore. We have to be willing to put in the difficult work, which is trust. There's no more dangerous, more difficult thing for a Christian to do than trust another Christian. And this is exactly what we have to be willing to do. Here's the last thing. We have to to be patient in our perseverance. The Apostle Paul goes over and over and over again. And um, here here in Ephesians 4, be patient with one another, bear with one another, long-suffering. I love that word the best. Long suffering. It's very honest. Okay? Okay. To have conanity with each other is going to take long, a long time you're going to suffer. How about that? (laughs) For a long time it's not going to feel good. But you're going to do it for who? For Jesus. Okay? And then in that we have to persevere. You just got to do it when it hurts. Ushers, you guys can go ahead and bring on up the, the elements. So we're going to end this morning in the best way possible. I'm so warm. Are you guys warm? (laughs) No. I love that. All right, you guys can go ahead and stand. We're going to take communion this morning. We do it twice a month. Every other week, we do corporate communion.